They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 183, and I am your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys so much for checking out our show. Before we get started with the movie discussion, let us go around and meet the fellow bros. Tonight, we begin with the American hero, Nate Thurmond. Nate, you're my go-to guy for neighborhood etiquette. So if you see your neighbor throwing something away that looks kind of fucking cool, is it totally chill to just take it? Oh, 100%. And we do like bulk pickup here in our neighborhood. So people will put just like shit like on the curb. And then like once a week, they come by and pick it up. And I've been tempted sometimes to like get like an old table or something that's been sitting out there. But then I'm like, I'm lazy. I'm not going to refinish that. And then I just keep walking. And then it's like, what if you grab it and then you're like, no, this actually is a piece of shit. And then you put it outside in like a few days. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it just rotates house to house. <laughs> like, I just threw that away. Like, yeah, no, you were right to do so. It's not yeah, then, yeah, then the neighbor sees it out in front of yours and like, this is awkward. Then it becomes an old school situation. That was my chair. This model? <laughs> no, this is exact one. Exact one. It even has I, this. I love it. It's I love cool. it. I'm actually, how'd that get out here? I'm putting it back inside. Uh, the wife, she's crazy. Next, we go to the mad scientist Brian Banner in the lab. Now, Banner, I've noticed that we've had some odd charges on the Bro Four Squad company card lately. Don't need to worry. Well, I've also noticed that you seem to be showing up each pod with a brand new fancy hat. So I was wondering, is there any connection between those two things, and should we be worried? No, definitely not. You should just don't worry about it. It's fine. I have to say, I don't know the name for them, but the Samuel L. Jackson style hats, especially in some of the flamboyant colors you've been getting them in, it's not a, a look you can pull off. I'm sorry. Look, you're probably right, but I feel cool, so I'm going to keep wearing it. Oh, so now like, you admit I, you've been buying lots of hats. No, I just said I had them. Oh. How I got them is unexplainable. Well, I'm sure there is an explanation. I mean, there's an explanation. No, 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 no shouldn't even look hat. into it. It's odd good. for someone to just acquire hats on accident. You uh, understand that, right? When you're a collector, you know, collecting, collecting. Horns, you should probably just go ahead and block any purchases on that car from hats, hats, hats anymore. Uh, yeah. Can you wait till after Tuesday, though? Got Why? a big international shipment coming in. <laughs> <laughs> just say there's a freighter coming from China. It might be all me. <laughs> that thing. All right, well, here on the Bro Four Squad podcast, we begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And our chest day topic today, if you uh, saw it in the title of this episode, it is our annual movie madness tournament, although this year taking place a month later than it typically does, for no other reason than we just literally forgot to do it. Um, this year, it is the Batman Actors Movie Madness Tournament. So we piece together the eight actors who have portrayed Batman, seven in live action, and then Kevin Conroy, who was the probably most predominant uh, voice actor of Batman. We randomly drew on our last episode, episode 182, put them into a, a round-robin format uh, tournament style here. And we voted on two of the matchups on Pod and had you guys vote on two of them on Twitter. So today... We have the final four and the championship to determine who is the best actor ever to have portrayed the famous character of Batman. Now, 
Fellas, do either of you have the bracket pulled up at this moment? I it do. It is linked in the show notes. Okay. Uh, so, Nate, I want to get both your guys' thoughts before we move on. So let's go through each of the matchups. Um, this was a fan vote. And again, we just randomly drew all eight of these actors against each other so that we didn't have any bias. But Adam West lost to Robert Pattinson. Pat, This is a fan vote again. Pattinson received 55.8% of the vote on Twitter. Adam West, 44.2%, moving Pattinson on to the final four. Nate, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Do the fans get it right? Um, this may be like a recency bias um, with the new Batman coming out. Um, I'm not mad at it. Um, I, I just, I think, I don't know. It's, it's tough to support this, but like, I mean, Adam West needs a little more credit than that being the OG. Um, but like I said, I think it's just a lot of recency bias and people wanting that like darker, grittier Batman. So, uh, Pattinson snuck by West in that first round. Yeah. I think there are some matchups. Adam West definitely would have won and he's tough to judge because he's trying to play such a different Batman from mostly all of these other actors, specifically mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. But, um, yeah, Pattinson advances. Again, maybe it's recency bias. I did like his portrayal a lot, though, so uh, not to discredit that. Boehner, how about you? What do you think uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised that Adam West got so much love. Yes, he's the OG, but Pattinson is the Batman that, especially, like, our generation, really really any generation is used to i mean what was the what was the time gap between adam west and the next batman like 30 years 33 years i believe 33 years okay and then in the last 35 years we've had seven others mm-hmm. so 33 years seems like a lot 66 i believe was that at least the adam west batman movie came out and then what was what was uh wasn't batman in 89 Oh, that's right. Not, not so twenty-two years. So yeah, 22 okay. Years. I was like, either way, either way, that's a lot. Where he was the only one, and then now mm-hmm. we've got boom, 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 yeah. and they're all a lot similar. Not really that kind of quirky goofiness. Yeah. So good for Adam West to to get pulling that many votes. I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah. Proud of you. I wouldn't have voted for him, but thanks, Meg. <laughs> So Pattinson advances, and he faced the winner of this matchup, which we scored on pod. A very interesting one between the two Joel Schumacher Batman in Val Kilmer and George Clooney. And among our Broforce squad scoring system, which we will uh, divulge here in just a moment, George Clooney snuck by in a nail-biter, beating Val Kilmer 5-4. to Banner, you were part of the team that scored this on pod uh, Clooney moves on to face Robert Pattinson. Do you think we got it right here with him defeating Val Kilmer by the skin of his teeth? If you just meet me on the street and go, George Clooney or Val Kilmer, who's better? I'm going to say Val Kilmer. But going off of our criteria, unfortunately, yes, we got it right. I do think George Clooney technically was better based on our criterion. Um, but I, I hate I hate George Clooney. so. Is criterium a word? I don't. He said it is first. Now. He said criteria, and then he said criteria. Like that's why I laughed. <laughs> I'm gonna use it. It sounds. Pretty. I love. That's the the quote of the year banner. Unfortunately, we got it right. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we got it right. Damn us. I hate when we're fucking right. Nate, what do you think? You actually weren't on this episode, so you're not biased having scored the matchup. What do you think about Clooney barely advancing past Kilmer? Um, I can't support this move. 
I don't I don't know what the criteria criteria or criterium was that went into it, um, but re- regardless, I just can't I can't support Clooney moving on. So because he sucks, um, right? Well, duh, yeah, I mean that's that's ob- the obvious reason why I would not support it. So hopefully Pattinson just walks over him in the next round here. I think at the end of the day, part of the reason Clooney advanced was at least even though it was bad, at least he tried to do something. With Batman, Val Kilmer was just like standing there in an almost as bad movie. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> now, what he tried didn't fucking work at all. <laughs> at least he got the bat off his shoulder. All right. So Clooney versus Pattinson, one of our final four matchups. The other, or the bottom side of the bracket, we left it up to the fans. And this is a difficult one. But they voted between Kevin Conroy, of course, the voice actor from the Batman, the animated series, and Mask of the Phantasm. A bunch of the movies, the Arkham video games. Going up against Christian Bale, and I got to say, I was shocked by this result. The fans elected Conroy as the best Batman between these two with a 52.3% of the vote to Christian Bale's 47.7%, advancing Conroy to the final four. Nate, are you as surprised as I was with this? Oh, absolutely. Um I honestly haven't watched much of Conroy's stuff, so I don't have a bunch of background on him. But even at that, like, I can't imagine, like, I mean, arguably one of the most beloved trilogies, like, of our of our lifetime, us being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, the Star Wars stuff coming out early and stuff like that. But the, the Batman trilogy just in and of itself um, being one of the most beloved by, like, our, gen- our generation, millennials. Um, I, I can't believe that, yeah. He, he walked over him in a fan vote. Man, I know. blew me by surprise. I'm a huge Conroy guy. This shocked me. I thought this would be a bloodbath the other way around. So for him to advance is, was pretty eye-opening. Sorry, uh, Banner, to, what do you think? Sorry, I, Banner, before you get into this, I, I, you, you made like a weird face, and I have to know when I said one of the most beloved trilogies, like while it came out while we were alive. Would you not agree with that? I would agree with that. I thought you were saying one of the of most all time? Beloved, beloved trilogies. And I I would have disagreed with that, uh, but of our time. lifetime that has like come out, it's definitely up there. I think what makes the Christian Bale trilogy though is Heath Ledger's Joker, right? They did enough in Batman Begins to get us there. Yeah, this it won our our comic book movie madness tournament uh, in the Dark Knight. So then okay, let's get a free pass, and you made a passable movie in Dark Knight Rises. So I'm not surprised that Conroy uh, won this. Bigger sample size, obviously, with all the animated stuff that he's done. And he's gotten to do several different kinds of Batman where Bale was just a Batman. And I think Bale was a better Bruce Wayne than he was uh, Batman. Anyway. Which is one of our points. So it would have helped him had we got to score it. But we need the fans involved. So Uh, interesting result there. All right. Last First round matchup, again, one we scored on pod last uh, episode. Ben Affleck versus Michael Keaton in what was, for me, just an absolute... It was like choosing which of your children you love the most. And you obviously go with the more athletic one. Um, Michael Keaton wins this matchup, again, in a nail-biter, by a score of 5-4 to four and advances to face Kevin Conroy. Banner, once again, you were on pod for this one. We had a, This was back and forth. It was one of those NCAA tournament games where it's just pretty much whoever has the last possession is going to win. How do you think about Keaton barely advancing past Affleck? 
Uh, I think personally, I had it scored the other way, um, but you can't you can't be mad at it. You can't be surprised about it. I mean, Keaton is he may not have been the first, but he's the original. If that makes any sense, he's who everybody thinks of as the first Batman. How many people actually think Adam West? when they think of Batman, it's always like, Keaton, oh, oh, wait, hold on, there was one before him. Yeah, he's the first one that made an attempt at, like, a an actual interpretation of the character. He, he made a cultural impact. Agreed. All right, Smart. so our final four. We have two matchups tonight. We will score the final four and then the championship round using three criteria that each bro will award per matchup. We have... Each actor's performance as Bruce Wayne, one point each from all three of the bros. Each actor's performance as Batman, so a separate uh, part of the the duality of the role, an individual point from all the bros. And then how that actor did with the fight scenes and physicality of the role. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for Kevin Conroy here, we admit, since he is voice acting. But we'll go off of what they did in the uh, show and video games for that one. So we each have three points to dole out, nine points total. First one to five points wins. Make sense? No, but I'm going to try my best. Okay. You'll figure it out. (laughs) All right. First matchup, Robert Pattinson versus George Clooney. So each of us will vote who we think was better acting specifically as Bruce Wayne. So only Bruce Wayne in the role. Nate, let's go to you first. Robert Pattinson or George Clooney? Better billionaire, playboy philanthropist. Um, yeah, we're going to have to go with Pattinson on this one. That's where my, my point's going to go. Oh. Any justification? Um, I thought he played a better Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's all, it's, all, it's all I need. You guys well, can said- elaborate. Good podcasting. All right. <laughs> yep. Pretty solid. Banner, who's your better Bruce Wayne, Robert Pattinson or George Clooney? Are you trying to talk? No, I just... Oh. I don't want to say who I want to say. Do you want me to go first? No, I just fucking hate fucking George Clooney, but I kind of liked him as Bruce Wayne. I hate fucking George Clooney. I fucking hate George Clooney. You would love fucking George Clooney. Yeah, come on. You wish. You're right. So are you going with Clooney as the better Yeah, yeah I'm going with Clooney. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. So Clooney's up 2-1. Here's the thing. The, oh only, the only weakness, aside from the runtime, which isn't really a complaint that I think is fair to lodge in Pattinson's The Batman, the only weakness is how little we get of Bruce and Alfred, I think, and when they do go to Bruce, like it's just very one note. It's, it's basically the same as Batman to me in that film. Now... I actually think the only good thing George Clooney has to deal with in the Batman and Robin movie is the McGregor syndrome storyline and his relationship with Alfred and sort of his issue with giving Dick any agency or autonomy as Robin. So, yes, the movie is a complete fucking wet fart and it was made to sell toys. And every time he puts the suit on, it somehow gets more ridiculous than the last time. But I think some of the stuff with Clooney as Bruce actually kind of works in a weird way. So he gets my point. Hmm. Yeah. Um, since I'm the only one voting Pattinson, I guess I will have to kind of spruce him up a little bit and and defend him a little bit. But I I understand what you're saying. Like he was kind of a one note Bruce Wayne. Um, but 
I, I kind of like that. He he was more into what he was doing as Batman. There wasn't as much separation. Um, so you kind of stayed in that same mindset the whole time. Um, so he was a little bit more, I mean, obviously they're trying to get a little more gritty and dark in what they're doing with this, but he, you didn't feel as disconnected. So even when he was Bruce Wayne, you could still see like in his, in his mind's eye and, and what he was doing on a day to day, he still had Batman in the back of his head. Like even when you get with the Christian Bale, yeah. He really broke away from a lot of that because he was gallivanting, he was going out with models and all this kind of shit. With Pattinson in, in, in this role that he's done so far, I mean, you can tell. I mean, he's just balls to the wall. Even when he's out in society being Bruce Wayne, he is still very dedicated to being Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's different too because the obviously the Clooney iteration is like a laughing Fucking stock. Joke. Right, but he's also way later in his time being Batman, so... Being able to put up that facade as Bruce probably comes a little bit easier to him. Whereas the Pattinson Bruce that we see, he's still pretty much reeling from the fact that he's doing this to not only cope with his parents' death, but try and make amends for it. So he hasn't yeah. really learned how to juggle those two roles yet. Yeah. All right. Clooney up 2-1. I think this is a case of a team maybe just hits an early three and will it hold up? <laughs> I doubt it. Who is the better Batman? Banner, we'll go to you first. Clooney or Pattinson? Uh, Pattinson. Clooney is not a Batman. He is a man dressed up in tights that has fucking steel nipples, which is actually sounded kind of cooler when I said it out loud than it actually looked. But uh, Pattinson actually did Batman stuff. He didn't just like, oh, look at my grappling hook because a toy can have a grappling hook. He was dark. He was gritty. He was mean. That's what I want in a Batman. Yeah. Not giving two shits. All right. Two, two. Nate, I doubt you'll say any different, but Pattinson or Clooney is the better Batman. Yeah, I mean, Pattinson all the way, especially going against Clooney. If there if there's another matchup, there might be a little room for conversation. Um, but no, um, it is, it's going to be him all the way. And even, even to the last point, maybe to his chagrin, because a lot of people say maybe his Bruce Wayne, Wayne role um, wasn't as strong as other people's, it's because he was committed to being batman and playing batman um so it kind of leaks over into his bruce wayne but i mean that just concretes in him being the better batman yeah i'll make it a clean sweep here uh second best batman i think in this entire tournament and i will say and i know this has been played out so much so i almost hate to say it but we get to see batman the most maybe aside from a few scenes in the dark knight but the most as a true detective in the Batman. And I absolutely loved that. Like actually watching him go toe to toe with the Riddler and the way him and Gordon were working together to try and get one step ahead was fucking awesome. I mean, if it weren't so important to balance out his character, I'd say, fuck it, dude, just don't even have Bruce Wayne in the movie. But it is like, we just need a breather every once in a while where Bruce goes and gets shit faced at a TGI Fridays. But Pattinson as Batman was utterly incredible. And, Kind of segueing into the next one, which I guess we'll just go straight to physicality. Uh, Pattinson's up four to two. I got to go Pattinson here, give him my point, because I think Matt Reeves, man, it's close to, I love that fight scene at the end of uh, BVS, but Pattinson had some incredible set pieces. Like, even if you, I think we can count the car chase scene as physicality, right? Of course. I think Mm -hmm. use of gadgets is is included in that. This is kind of our... Wherever you need to throw in an extra nod to your guy, this is where you throw it in at. Yeah. Well, this is where I think 
Pattinson's performance as Batman just kind of checked. Like, as a comic book fan, if you're like, okay, what do you want to see when he's Batman in this movie? I would have listed, like, six things, and Matt Reeves fucking checked all of those boxes. So I was geeking out at both the detective work, the way he was fighting people, the way he was brooding. Uh, and then I think one of the coolest things is it was very grounded with, like, a slight element that, like, it, it's... Like, the one scene where he jumps out in the squirrel suit is, like, the one time where you, we we can have a little bit of fun with it as a yeah. comic book fan, but it never takes you out of the film. So I go Pattinson here with as physicality slash... Uh, gadgetry as Batman, and that brings us to a score of five to two. Mm. So it's, it's it's over now at this point. But Nate, why don't you just for the people in Vegas, who gets your point? Yeah, just in case there was a spread that someone needs a little help with. Uh, Pattinson on this one as well. Uh, Horns, I mean, you made all the good points. Um, I mean, from the subway scene fight and onward, it's it's all physical. He does a great job. Uh, portraying batman in in that way um and even like you said like getting in there the way he carried himself as another physical presence like in the crime scenes working with the gordon um that was a new presence that we hadn't really seen before and like him actually getting deep involved uh kind of saying fuck you to some of the other detectives who didn't want him in there um and that was cool seeing him um butt heads in a little different way than we haven't seen before yeah the police station scene is was one of my favorite parts of the movie yeah the way gordon helped him get out Banner, how about you? Do you think any differently? No, this is a cl- another clean sweep. Um, but Clooney is at a huge disadvantage in this category, and that's because he can't move in his fucking suit. That's true. That's a big problem. He's in like like a like a fourteen hundreds night suit where they're just like fucking waddling around like metal penguins. That's what George Clooney is like in the Batman suit. Pattinson actually had some maneuverability. He had mobility. He can move around and how, how else can i say move in different ways here he uh let's try yeah the funny he, thing with the issue with Clooney's suit is they didn't even correct that in batman begins i remember bale talking about like in interviews about how like it's basically like when you have a really like you sleep really bad on your neck and then you're driving to work the next day and you can't look can't over your shoulder your yeah yeah so they fixed it in the dark night but yeah this was a problem with a lot of the batman suits early on Aside from the nipples. Just couldn't move your head. All right, utter domination, as should be the case. Pattinson advances to the finals of the Batman Actors Movie Madness Tournament over George Clooney with a final score of 7-2. to two. All right, so that brings us to our last matchup of the final four. Kevin Conroy versus Michael Keaton uh, to see who will face off against Robert Pattinson in the finals as the best person to portray Batman. And Nate, before we get to it, you actually made an admission off pod a little bit earlier about this matchup. We're all about integrity here on the bro Four squad podcast when we choose to be. Um, so, <laughs> so what did you want to do with regards to you scoring between these two actors? Um, so yeah, I was talking to the bros just a second ago and I honestly have, no background or portfolio on Kevin Conroy. So I'm going to sit this one out. Horns and Banner are going to tackle this one just so we have um, no uh, bias here uh, because Keaton is the only thing that I would have any uh, relevance on. Um, so we're going to kind of do a, a bro v bro here. Um, and they're they're basically going to try and convince me which is, is the better one through this round. So sit back and enjoy. So are we, Banner, because – I could go either way in a couple of these categories. Are we both picking one of these 
actors convincing Nate, or are we just both making our arguments and then seeing what he would vote based on what we said? I think we just we just make our arguments on what we would vote. And, and at the end, if it's a tie, we'll let Nate weigh in as the final. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. <clears throat> Sounds good. All right. Let He's us like begin. the vice president if there's a tie in Congress. Doesn't oh, wow. really doesn't really matter until there's a tie. We're Makes sense. Teaching kids about history in this class. <laughs> in this podcast uh all right kevin conroy versus michael keaton our first point is who portrayed bruce wayne better banner i'll let you go first here uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go keaton here um when you when you watch keaton compared to any of the uh animated stuff that conroy's done keaton plays the billionaire where the animated stuff it's just a different kind of story Uh, You get more of the Batman, the detective, the, you know, fighting bad guys, action, action scenes. And you don't really get a whole lot of Bruce Wayne other than he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a rich billionaire and I'm funding all of my Batman habits. Whereas Keaton actually goes out on some dates and and spends his millions of dollars on useless shit. Yeah, I agree. The. The way Keaton portrayed Bruce is like a very reserved yet still very capable billionaire. He didn't play him as like a stupid bumbling idiot trying to be over the top, which some iterations of of Bruce have tried to do to sort of uh, make it more prevalent that he is like to to basically throw people off the scent that he could be Batman. Um, But I specifically like in Batman Returns the Selina Kyle Bruce Wayne dynamic and how he plays that. And Conroy, really the only time we get an extended look at him as Bruce is in Mask of the Phantasm, which I actually love. You could argue that that movie is like 70% him as Bruce Wayne versus Batman, and it works really well. But again, in the show, and especially in the video games, like you don't want to be Bruce Wayne in Arkham Asylum. <laughs> you want to be Batman beating the shit out of thugs. So we just don't get as much exposure to Conroy, even though I think he's very capable of pulling it off. Uh, Keaton is basically like a juggernaut in the Bruce Wayne role. And I think has a unique portrayal of him that kind of is an amalgamation of all the things I like about my Bruce Wayne without him coming across like as some overt bumbling idiot to try and throw people off the scent, which I thought was pretty well done by Burton. So 2-0 Keaton here. All right, portrayal is Batman. Banner, what do you think? I'm actually going to go Conroy here. here. Um, Sample size is a big thing. He was, you know, what, however many seasons of uh, the Batman animated show. He's done however many movies. Um, he has that Batman voice, just perfect to me. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Conroy here. I'm gonna do the same, and I think Kevin Conroy is actually on cameo. You can have him like send someone a message for you doing the Batman voice. God, that'd be fucking cool. Which is so cool. God. Yeah. Um. I just love his Batman voice. It's incredible. It's brooding. It's menacing. And it's not like, unfortunately, Christian Bales is like so ridiculously like scratchy and like it just, it it hurts you to hear him do it. Conroy's is just smooth, man. And I mean, he's a voice actor for a living, so it makes sense that he would have the ability to pull this off. But it just works, dude. And part of the problem is it might be too close to his Bruce Wayne voice, but we hardly ever see him as Bruce, so we don't even really notice it, I feel like. Couldn't agree more. All right, 2-2. Last one, physicality, gadgets, all the above. Banner. 
Look at your last point here. We go Conroy again. His use of gadgets in the animated show is insane. He gets a new one every other episode, uh, but still utilizes the old one. The grappling hook gun, he uses the uh, all of the different vehicles and vessels he has. Just that alone. Uh, he also does some incredible jumps off of like roofs and stuff. Great use of the bat kit. Um, Got to give it to Conroy here. Again, if you asked me before this matchup, who am I picking? Wouldn't have been Conroy, but based on the criteria. <sighs> I was hoping wow. you wouldn't bring it to me. Um, I have to go Keaton here. I do agree with what you say about Conroy. Uh, I'm like His character has so many different iterations, whether it's like Justice League or Arkham Asylum, where he has cool gadgets. But the Michael Keaton version of Batman, he doesn't have that many like great fight scenes, but I think... Based on what we saw from Adam West, it was difficult for fans of Batman to imagine a world where he would have gadgets and technology incorporated into the persona of Batman and have it not be a complete joke. Like, think about the there's bat shark repellent in the Adam West series. And so that was what was in people's in the public consciousness for 20 plus years um, as to what Batman's gadgetry and tools were. And specifically, I'm thinking of Batman Returns. Like, it kind of it doesn't hold up as well as I would think, but I remember the scene where uh, Penguin takes control of the Batmobile and being like fucking scared for my life watching it, just because like the way that gadgetry was uh, tied into the way he that Bruce uh, operated as Batman was just so fucking cool. And then if you think about even like the way he catches the Joker in in the original Batman like by the the ankle and they have that interesting scene as he's hanging from the top of the clock tower so no offense to conroy but i have to go keaton here just because i think he really set the table for all these other iterations of batman live action and made it viable that in this world he could have gadgets without it being a laughing stock are we at three three we're at a three three tie wow. this is what the people wanted yeah Over and i'm just time. like an audience member right now i'm excited just sitting here on the edge of my seat well you now you got to get up off your seat cast your final vote to evict as banner and i are used to hearing from big brother <laughs> so we'll just go overall and i think we know where this is going just based on how candid and transparent you've been kevin conroy or michael keaton nate who was your favorite portrayal of batman all right sorry i had to take my mic off mute there um now from you guys and your arguments this is completely off of that, not any of my previous bias, because I actually did have Conroy on there for um, his physicality, because I think Banner made a good point for that. So he actually did have one point in my book, but Keaton took the other two points, um, so he's going to be the one who's moving on for this. Makes sense. There's a lot of there's a nostalgic factor too that we just have to acknowledge, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I think Conroy put up the best fight he could have put up. Um, but he was never going to win this. I think he stole some points. He did. He uh, he made it interesting because I had one one for a second there. So it he like my, my own voting. He can go back home and be very proud of the effort that he gave here. Yeah. All right, guys. The championship matchup in the Batman Actors Movie Madness Tournament will feature Robert Pattinson, the newest iteration of Batman, versus what many people consider the OG 
in Michael Keaton to determine who has been the best actor to portray Batman. Now, this is interesting because we obviously only have one movie with Pattinson. But if we're being honest, screen time wise, I bet it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. To it's how, long, how long each of them have been uh, in role as the character. All right. Championship. Same criteria. Three rounds. Winner take all. Mm. We will go to you first. Between Pattinson and Keaton, who do you feel was the better Bruce Wayne? This is a tough one. It is. Now, I don't want anyone giving me shit for saying, oh, you just said Pattinson was a great Bruce Wayne and everything. Well, I did in and of himself and against George Clooney. Correct. But about matchups. In this matchup, we got to go Keaton. I think Keaton was the better Bruce Wayne. He was more, he was a more real Bruce Wayne, more relatable. Obviously, not many people watching have as much money as him, but um, he was actually doing some more relatable everyday stuff um, in the public eye. Um, so I, I think in that aspect, I got I got it, it hurts me to do this because I did like. Pattinson for all the reasons I said before, like he was his his Bruce Wayne was a little more what was a little less detached from from Batman from some of the other ones. But at face value, Keaton for me for the Bruce Wayne. All right. Keaton up one. Oh, banner. Uh, yeah, I have to I have to agree. I think uh, Pattinson's. Bruce Wayne is. Too close to his Batman. Um which is a strong, I mean, that, that's strong for a Batman category, but not for your Bruce Wayne category. Keaton, uh, kind of like Jeff said earlier, he felt very grounded, but yet, you know, he had money and was uh, very esteemed. Uh, whereas Pattinson was was just broken at that time as, yeah. as Bruce Wayne. While I appreciate what he did, and I did enjoy it, I think... Uh, when you think of Bruce Wayne, um, you know, rich billionaire, florent, philanthropist, however you say that, uh, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Brian, that actually, what you said brings up a good analogy, I think. And Nate, you'll appreciate this. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is effective because he has to be like a change up and the velocity can't be so close to your fastball that it doesn't like really fool hitter, right <laughs> i absolutely so, love that analogy. yeah so the robert pattinson batman would be like your fastball is 94 and your changeup's 92 like i love a good change up you do so, as you should and, but that's not a big enough gap like a hitter can still hit that words the michael keaton batman is like an 86 mile an hour changeup and a 94 mile an hour fastball the gap is large enough to where it gives us a nice it's a good dichotomy for the characters so I'll go with Michael Keaton for that same reason. Now, having said that, mm. the story in the and, and I'm not taking away my point, but I think this is worth mentioning. The story in the Batman, while the Wayne family is prominently featured, I really don't think it calls for Bruce Wayne to do much. You know, like we Batman is so effective in it because he does so many different things that we haven't seen a Batman do traditionally. He doesn't just beat the shit out of people. Yeah. It, the movie doesn't really need Bruce Wayne to do that much. Now, I would have liked it as a fan just because I like that part of the character, but it still works really well as a film, really with just Batman in it. Speaking yep. of Batman. Agreed. 
Which actor was the better Batman? Banner, we'll go to you first. Uh, I'm going to say Pattinson here. Um, we get a different kind of Batman. Uh, again, like you said earlier, Jeff, a lot of the detective work as Batman was really cool. The relationship with Gordon that he has is uh, fairly unique for Batman. So uh, I'm going to go Pattinson here. Um, while, again, Keaton is, for all intents and purposes, the original Batman, um, I think I think Pattinson... Uh, grew and uh developed batman a little bit better than keaton did um all right three one keaton leads nate thurmond who was your better batman uh yeah this matchup this feels like a pretty easy choice for me as well pattinson um you got a lot of things that you've seen with batman before um a lot of the dark and greediness that you saw with christian bale um but then I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but some of the some of the new introductions of him working close with the police force and things like that. I think when Banner said his relationship with Gordon is a great point. Um, really, a little more intimate, um, but it all played well together, and it was, I think, a great great rendition of Batman. Um, so Pattinson gets my yeah. Heart. I agree. Again, I think the second best Batman in this whole tournament is Pattinson. And Keaton is a very capable Batman. He definitely laid the template for what it looks like to be done correctly. And then Matt Reeves just took the baton. I mean, several other, obviously, directors have done a really good job with it, but Matt Reeves took the baton and just fucking sprinted with it. I mean, it does basically everything that you would want as a fan in his Batman iteration. And it's kind of crazy how effective they do the noir and the dark with Pattinson's Batman, because... What we used to think was like a really gritty version of that part of the character. When you go back and look at Keaton's now, it almost it feels like Kitty compared to what Pat's. Yeah. yeah. Just nuts. All right, last category. We got three three tie, folks. This is what we wanted. Physicality, gadgets, or as Banner eloquently put it uh, last round, basically any way that you want to justify who you think was should win on advance on, excuse me, and be the champion of this tournament. Nate, we'll go to you first. No pressure. We got three three tie. Keaton or Pattinson? Um Yeah, I'm gonna have to fall back to Pattinson on this one. Um still a ton of physicality and um just the way he carries himself and some of those new aspects that we talked about. So you get a lot of the great fight scenes. Um he really shows his shit there. But then even in some of the softer scenes where he's not having to kick some guy's ass, the um, the authority he carries with himself, um, the confidence he carries with himself, which obviously Batman in any role has to have confidence. Um, but I think he, he brought it kind of to a new level in this role, and he just asserts himself in a completely different way than we haven't seen before in really every scene that he's in. And so that brings like a little new aspect. So um, Pattinson gets the vote for me on this one. And Pattinson is up 4-3. Banner, get your vote. I'm going to say Keaton. I think that uh, because Keaton transformed and set the bar for Batman and Bruce Wayne as well, I don't know that Keaton is ever in the bottom echelon of any of these categories. Right. Agreed. He set the bar for how to do a Batman and how to do it correct. Um, while Pattinson expounded on that, 
I don't think that we would be there or we would get these other uh, we would appreciate these other forms of Batman as much if we didn't have Keaton setting that bar so high and saying, hey, this is this is how you have to do it. I agree with everything you said, and awarding a legacy point here would I would sleep well at night if I did it. Having said that, mm. and it's crazy because the movie just came out, and it feels weird to do this now, but Robert Pattinson was fucking incredible and blew me away in this role. And I just think, I know that the Keaton casting at the time was, like, he was a comedian and people lauded Warner Brothers. Like, are you Mr. Mom is fucking Batman? <laughs> Mr. Pattinson had, to deal with the, Pattinson had to deal with the same thing. And when you look at, like, where they took his character, I just think somehow they continue after, you know, 50-plus years, 60-plus years, really, if you count the Adam West one, redefine this character and make him interesting in new ways to me. And I love Michael Keaton. It, it, I can't say a bad thing about his version of the character, but this Pattinson Batman, to me, absolutely blew me away. Again, we've been praising his work as the detective the entire time, and... I'm going to give him my point, and that's without even really having Bruce Wayne in the movie. That's how impressed I was with his version of the character. So I have to go Robert Pattinson here. It's difficult, though. Mm. you got to make the difficult difficult decision sometimes. Yeah, I was a pussy. I wasn't going to be the one that said that, <laughs> that had Pattinson win the tournament. I wasn't going to do it. I knew when you made that, like, had your hands over your mouth. I was like, he's going to fucking force yep. me. Uh, yep. <laughs> 100%. He's going to force your hand on that. this one. All right, so by a final score of five to four, the new kid on the block, Robert Pattinson, mm. is the champion of the Batman Actors Movie Madness Tournament as they raise the banner from the Pattinson Arena, which actually there is an arena in his Batman movie, so that's kind of cool. Um, Nate, Let how do you feel about you guys this? Yeah. If the matchups were different, do you think Pattinson still would have won? I mean, he mm. kind of had a cakewalk. He kind of had a cakewalk to the to the finals. He did. He beat West and Clooney. Uh, to me, a Pattinson Affleck matchup would have been really interesting, or Pattinson Bale even actually. Oh yeah, damn. Um, it would. Man, it, it's it's kind of tough to say what he had a tougher matchup. I mean, it came down to the last vote. Um, but yeah, there there, there would have been some tougher ones that we could have gone through. I think there would have been more deliberation on everyone's part if another Batman would have been in that final spot instead of keaton it's interesting that the fans and again god bless them they they get a say in this too but they didn't let us weigh in on uh christian bale at all fair enough so, yeah who, who knows how things would have played out differently had i think it would have ended up the same way personally but it would have been a much much more rugged battle no one would have emerged. All the way through. Yeah. All the way through. Obviously, that final. That was what we wanted in the finals. Yeah. Great for ratings. It was good. It was good. All right. Congrats to Robert Pattinson. I know he's listening at home. He's very, very excited. <laughs> good for him. Word will be also, also, Banner, um, it's not criterium. It's criterion is the word you're looking for earlier. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh <laughs> Brings us to the second part of our show, which is our protein shake, also known as what is in our cup or what have we watched lately? 
Banner, let's go to you first. I have a pretty light one this week. I think we all do, as, as we were saying. But uh, what's something you have seen since the last time we spoke to you? All right. I uh, actually got quite a few here. Um, we'll go keeping on my uh, theme from last uh, episode, true crime. Watch The Tinder Swindler and The Thing About Pam. Now, The Tinder Swindler, uh, basically this guy would find yeah, women awesome. on Tinder and just bleed them for money because he was pretending to be a, uh, I believe it was like a diamond uh yeah his family yeah his family was um they owned like a a world-renowned jeweler and i I gotta say i've seen a lot of these true crime documentaries and i always say to myself and it's not victim shaming but i'm like man at some point someone in the the victim's lives has to step in and be like hey this, this seems a little fishy this guy's strategy was pretty good it's a ponzi scheme it was awesome i mean yeah you you obviously what he was doing is extremely wrong and i don't condone it at all of course but you it's like when what makes a good villain is that you understand where they're coming from and you get it and dude you had a plan and you executed it well the way that he portrayed this false wealth i mean it was like his definitely cost the most to run but he would use the one person he was um basically fleecing to fund his next yeah. Swindle. At a certain point, he's just chasing his own tail, and obviously the ground shrinks underneath his feet. But, uh, I mean, these women had legitimate reason to think he was rich. He was on fucking private jets and in Mykonos, Greece, on yachts and stuff. Like, yeah. Didn't appear to be poor. I do was... feel very, very bad for the women who say, I mean, come on, dude. How do you send the guy like $40,000 when he's never paid you back? Like, I just. Yeah, and I'm. And maybe it's just. Me personally, but I'm never going to go and essentially get a payday loan to pay a friend. No offense, guys. Just not going to do it. Yeah. You can go get a payday loan just as easily as I can. Very true. Yeah, Uh, the excuse of, like, why he couldn't get the money himself was always kind of weak. But Yeah. Oh, my credit cards are shut down for this reason or that. My enemies, Brian. Yeah, they're they're after me. I, I will say too, like having his boys involved in it and sending that same like uh, ambulance picture. Again, mm-hmm. y- you got to respect the game. I mean, I don't I don't agree with any of it. He's a like, piece of shit, uh, of course, but plan was like pretty well thought out. Yeah. Uh, and then the thing about Pam, this is just a classic case of woman killed somebody to get their uh, their will money um chick is bad shit crazy i, I haven't even it's seen that like one pop a, up on netflix uh, it's on hulu i believe it's actually like nbc uh oh was that the actually zellweger yes yes and it okay, was not a documentary no i think it was like they did like seven or eight datelines on this story um and it's kind of cool they also did a dateline podcast so Keith Morrison's uh, podcast essentially narrates the whole thing. So it's kind of a different way to film a, essentially a biopic, if you will, or a, a miniseries. Um, again, the story was nothing to really write home about. The chick was fucking nuts. But uh, kind of a new new way to present the, the information. I enjoyed it. How long was that? 
they were six episodes, 45 minute episodes. Um, we didn't watch it. We watched it like week to week as it came out. Like I said, I believe it was an NBC show. Yeah, I think it's um, on Peacock. So yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, so it's it's tough to say how hard of a watch it was because we watched it. I think in like four four weeks, maybe three weeks. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll I have a soft spot for true crime, so I might give it a poke. There you go, Nate. What's in what's in your cup? Um, so starting off, this is actually one that, well, I was going to say Horns suggested to me, he mentioned to me, and he also mentioned how bad it was, but I had to, I had to verify for myself just because before hearing him say it, I wanted to see it. But, um, this is the Netflix movie, I believe windfall, mm. um, with Jesse Plemons, Lily Collins and, and Jason Siegel. Um, I just don't know what this movie was trying to be. Um, also I, I knew it did not have great reviews, um, from the other bros It's like an hour and 30 minutes. So I was like, whatever, I'll knock it out. Could have it been eight minutes intri- long. Yeah. What's up? I said it could have been just eight minutes long. We would have got the exact Basically. It, it keeps like dragging you along and keeps me, in, it keeps you interested enough to keep going. But there's so many points in this movie where the dialogue is just so weird and disjointed i'm not sure what they're trying to do i feel like they're just trying to there's like some bigger meaning they're trying to get with this movie um they're trying to be a little artsy with it none of the characters actually have like real names they don't call them by names if you look on the imdb they don't have names i think it's the ceo nobody um how do you know who's who then i mean well they just talk like they just address each other like like when i'm talking to you brian i don't always say brian and this Brian yeah. and that, you know, like yeah, I've been meaning to ask ask you about that. Sometimes I'm not sure if you're talking to me or somebody else. And there's not, there's literally only four people in the whole movie, so oh it's wow, not that, it's not that hard okay. to keep up with. And ninety percent of the time, it's three people. Um, Interesting. And it's just so I don't I don't even know how to explain. I I don't know what they what they were trying to do. It felt like a big slap in the face. Um, pretty much. Is it weird there. that like everybody hating it makes me want to watch it more? And like I said, I'm not mad. I watched it. Is the weird thing? Yeah, the whole. I mean, the cast is interesting. The mm-hmm. premise of it is kind of intriguing. The whole movie, you're just like, oh, okay, we're, this is about to get good. The plot is about to start, and then I won't even begin to tell you what happens in like the last. 10 minutes because anything I say will probably be a spoiler. But uh, when the the movie finally kind of reveals what it's going for, you're like, yeah, man, you, that's not impressive. Like that, that's not a, a plot to a movie. Like, why did this get made? This isn't no, a script. There's a, there's a million different ways to go about what they were trying to say, which the very last thing that happens kind of points it towards, Oh, Hey, this is what we're trying to gear towards this whole time. Um, but the whole genesis of the movie really is never revealed, like no, it, why the like why the situation is happening. I mean, you vaguely it, some things are kind of said, but um, overall, you re- really just don't. It's like a random, random happening the whole time, and shit just happens. And some of the things that do happen don't even make sense. It feels like it was written as a stage play. Um. Because it's very dialogue heavy, it's it's mm-hmm. centric to one location, and there's really just like no pacing at all. Like 
if I had to put, you know, movies follow the three act structure, and I, it's been I'm like probably a month removed from it, but I'm trying to think like where would you even delineate the different acts because there's like nothing of significance that really ever happens in the movie. Well, the first act is the credits because that takes about five minutes in the yeah. just they have the outside Ooh, of the like house. an old school movie. It yeah. that, it does have definitely it's it's <laughs> that's it's act one in itself. Is sure. it like uh is it like Godzilla and Mechagodzilla where literally twenty minutes of the hour and a half movie are the opening credits and literally um, the movie ends at like zero zero zero. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between this and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Yeah. And I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but this is one of like the weird continuity things that just did not jive with me. Um, I mean, it, if you watch the trailer, it's pretty well known that Jason Siegel's in these people's house and he's holding them hostage for some period of time. But he's he's trying to get away and he barricades them in a sauna. And he's not tying them up. He's not putting a, like a lock on there or anything. Like, no, you'll be able to get out. I'm just going to make it difficult to get out. So you won't be able to get out right away, but you'll be able to get out eventually. I'm just going to put furniture in front of this door. I'm like, what? that is the weirdest way to barricade someone. Say, hey, like, I'm not t- telling you to wait five minutes. I'm just saying, oh, it'll take you probably 10 minutes to get out of this, I bet. I'm guessing. And that'll give me enough time to get away. It's, it's just the weirdest. It's like a Dr. Evil would trap someone. Yeah. And even, no, even like, says that, though. He's like, it'll just take you some time to get out. I'm like, it's the most half-ass random way to barricade somebody and it just didn't make sense to me but that was one small thing yeah i don't know when i finished watching the movie it felt to me like something that would play at like sundance or south by southwest and get a 17 minute standing ovation at the end and i'd be the guy in the back like what are you clapping at boo (laughs) nothing happened anyway Who's next? We can move on from that so I don't keep going. <laughs> All right. I only have two things. I'll just get one of them out of the way. I watched the – this is from last year, the Hulu limited series Dope Sick starring Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson, Peter Sarsgaard, Will Poulter, who you probably know from We're the Millers and a few other things. Um, this was – I believe it's based on a book. I'm not sure Will entirely. Will from Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's quite the chameleon, man. He can do like everything. Um, this was based on the opioid crisis and the lawsuit uh, from the CIA against Purdue Pharma in the early aughts. Um, basically, that, that was the company p- producing Oxycontin. Uh, have either of you guys heard of this or seen like trailers for it? Seen trailers no. for it. I was looking uh, at cast right now. Very intrigued, mainly because of the cast. Great cast, yeah. Um, it is good. It it feels like an important show. Um, it's obviously based on, you know, true events. Oh, Nate, who else you would know? Uh, Philippa Sue. I was just about Alexander, to say. Nice. Yeah, Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton's wife. Eliza. Yeah, she plays huge departure in her character. She's like this, uh, like complete asshole sales rep at Purdue Pharma, who. Hmm. Has like sort awesome. of an, an affair with Will Poulter's character. Um, basically, though, so it's it's heavy. Like it's the type of show where you watch it's eight hour long episodes, and you'll watch an episode and you're like, damn, we gotta put like The Office on or something. <laughs> Need a palate yeah. cleanser. I can't go. I can't go to bed right after this. Exactly. Um, but it's good. I would recommend it. It it took us probably like a month to watch it though, just because again, like I said, it's like. 
you watch an episode and you're like, holy shit, that was that was a lot. But the case is very interesting. It analyzes it from a couple sides. There's the Sackler family who owns uh, and operates Purdue Pharma. And so it's them and like their sales reps, their point of view. Then it is Rosario Dawson's character, uh, who's at the DEA and sort of the CIA that's putting together the lawsuit against Purdue Pharma. That's Peter Sarsgaard's character who like are compiling evidence and interviewing all these doctors and things like that. And then there's Michael Keaton's character who he plays Dr. Samuel Phoenix, who is a doctor in, I believe, West Virginia, who is kind of duped by these Purdue Pharma sales reps into constantly prescribing Oxycontin to his patients who have like injuries in the mines and things like that. And he sort of sees firsthand uh, the effect this has on people and really interesting character arc with his character that I won't spoil for you. But Michael Keaton uh, actually had he lost his nephew to an Oxycontin overdose. So hmm. he's been very vocal that like this was a real like important project for him to do. And you typically are like, oh, that's interesting. He did like a limited TV series. But that was his, I guess, sort of motivating factor to do it. But um, very interesting. The one thing that is really kind of frustrating about it, though, the timeline jumps around a lot from like late nineties to like mid two thousands, like multiple times per episode. Yeah. And I was getting pretty confused. Like where are we at in this investigation? Um, so if you can keep up with that, I think you'll have a, I don't want to say fun with it because it's definitely not a fun show, but it's good. It's really well acted, really well written. Um, and it's based on a true story. So it's, you know, has that element to it where you're like, all right, this is, a story I can remember seeing some of this stuff in the news and then watching Nick play out the show is kind of cool. Well, and not only that, like our generation, I mean, we were probably a little young to really see the full effects of, of the whole opio- opioid crisis. Um, but this is probably one of the first like quote unquote war on drug uh, mm-hmm. situations that I remember as, uh, as a person growing up. Um, yeah, and it's really interesting to see like where the corruption lies. Some parties are just uninformed. Other parties are like actively, you know, taking money and being corrupt and negligent and just watching how they go about putting because like to basically to bring down a company like Purdue Pharma, the amount of like the mountain of evidence that the DEA has to put together is insane. It's like so over what you would think you would need to because to bring criminal charges on these people that are just in everyone's pocket it's like insane how much they have to bring to court like four times what you would think you would need to convict someone of something dope sick on hulu don't know if All i right. mentioned that i'll have to check that nice. out done with euphoria yeah. right now so i need another show to depress me yeah this feels like it would fill that euphoria perfect vibe i'm in yeah perfectly <laughs> all right banner what else you got um all right uh the other night, me and the wife uh, sat down, watched Death on the Nile. I was nice. really, really excited about this. Um, I, I love Murder on Orient Express. I love the original. I like the book. Athic, uh, excuse me, Athic Christie is a almost great. Yeah, whatever. She's a great. <laughs> she's a great writer. Um, I have enjoyed lots of her detective books. Um, I think I got in my own way on this. I was, so? I I was too excited for it, um, and it let me down. It was extremely well, good. I liked the acting. I thought the writing was good. It's extremely well. It wasn't sick. 
<laughs> I was just, uh, I was, I was disappointed, but I hyped it up too much in my head. So what, and I'm, I'm honestly asking because I like this more than murder on the Orient Express and you hate Josh Gad who was in murder on the Orient Express. So having the Josh Gad weight tied to its ankles, what about murder on the Orient Express still elevates it above death on the Nile for you without spoilers, I guess, if you can. So That's, that may be tough. Yeah. Um, the actual murder in Murder on Orient Express and how that story was confined to the train, I liked that. It was very, very uh, close quarters, if you will. Um, yeah, I, whereas I, Death on the Nile, we had a few different places. Yeah. Um, I, I do enjoy the cruise ship aspect. Uh, and it did feel a little bit like a serious clue. Um from back in the day, a little bit, just with the, the running movie. around and the this and the that, and it, it was you, you could have done this. I just like the coordination a little bit better of uh, Murder on Orient Express. Yeah, I think it now, takes too long to get on the Nile. I agree, yes. I've heard I've heard that from several people. I've seen the movie, but I've heard that complaint. From people. Where's the fucking Nile? I've seen that, exactly. but uh, I've also heard it. <laughs> um, so when you're saying... Obviously, a train compared to a boat is more confined, but you're saying it's a one place. Without giving – all right, let's jump ahead to spoilers like a minute uh, for Murder on Orient Express and Death in the Nile. Yeah. I like how there wasn't a murder on Murder on Orient Express. It was everybody involved. Everybody contributed to that. And uh, You say you like how there wasn't a murder? No. There yeah, I think was he means like a one single murderer. murderer. Yes, yeah, a murder on Orient Express. Oh, okay. I like that there was a coordinated uh, effort, whereas you can make that argument in Death on the Nile as well. Um, that there was more than one. I just, I don't know. It was a little, a little too jumpy for me. See, I thought that was unique in Murder on the Orient Express, but when I watch a Who Done It, I'm trying to figure out who done it. And if the answer is, well, fucking everyone that you saw in the whole movie, I'm like, well, then what am I trying to guess? <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the outcome for yeah. that one. It's unique. See, I liked like, it because I thought that was unique that it wasn't. It just is unique. A person. Yeah. yeah, and there's some like times where, yeah, I mean, there's clue. There's one of those fun ones. That there's clues and you can look back. Like, I mean, pretty much any murder who done it, like the stabs in the person, like, oh, these he like says they're different and. Um, mm -hmm. Then whenever uh, uh, oh God, I want to say Amelia Clark. That's wrong. Uh, Daisy Ridley. Yeah, Daisy Ridley. God damn. Um, says like, oh, she's left-handed. I was like, oh, there's a clue. That didn't really come back at all. But um, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably put actually Death on the Nile above, just because yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Of like, oh, everyone's a murderer, which it resolved. Yeah. It wrapped up nicely, I guess. But I don't know. And I love that scene in the cave too at the end when. He lays it all out and basically says, hey, it was all of you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really solid. good. I, I thought that was a great end scene of like, this is who did it. Yeah, I, for me, I like Death on the Nile better, but it's a very small gap. Death, uh, excuse me, Murder on Orient Express is in my top 100, too, though. Mm. Well, but yeah, you got to already say that. Yeah, I already, I already said <laughs> I don't quite remember what it was no, mid 80s, okay. maybe cool i could tell you right now it was your number 83 
movie of all time. Behind episode three, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> just, just absolutely crazy. Are you got anything else, Brian? Uh, no. I got a couple of things. We'll save them for next episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. Tease okay. the people. All right, Nate. What else is in your cup? Um, let's see. I think I was texting you guys about this last week when I watched it, but watched a 2014 movie randomly found on HBO Max. Um, for anyone out there, I think it's one of those ones that's going away soon. So if you want to watch it, jump on there. Um, but uh, they came together with Amy Poehler and um, oh, Paul yeah. Rudd. So this is a fun take, and it's a parody on rom-coms. Um, IMDb reviews are mixed, as I kind of expected. Um, a lot of people don't get it, which, I mean, I'm not saying I'm, like, super smart, but I understand it. This movie is so over the top. The jokes are very pointed, but they are so ridiculous. And I think the comedic actors they got in this pulled it off fantastically. I mean, I'm already seeing Ken Marino, and I'm like, this is the type of movie. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like scary movie, but for rom-coms, but they got better comedic actors to do it. Um, they've got those two that I just mentioned, um, Ellie Kemper. Is Ken Marino, in this picture, he's like playing basketball and looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Along Came Polly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's all the tropes in there. There's the character tropes. There's the relationship tropes. There's fun, stupid, funny montages. Like I said, it's all over the top. Kobe um, Smolders. Kobe Smolders, Bill Hader. Um, there's a shit. T- there's some stupid, funny, like cameos. Like I think John Stamos is credited in here as John Stamos because in, in, in this one point, um, not much of a spoiler, but there's like a song for the movie that they do. And then they like cut from the movie to the making of the song for that movie. And then people are like coming in as like actors playing what? themselves. It's like I said, everything is so over the top, so stupid, but it's fucking hilarious. Um, and I mean, most of the stuff, um, as far as like the dialogue and stuff, it's like it's pretty R rated. So, I mean, they don't really hold back on some of the shit that they say on there. Um, What's what this on again? What's it streaming on? HBO Max. Okay, I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah. The cast is insane. But yeah, so the, the main plot is Amy Poehler has a small candy shop, and Paul Rudd works for Big Candy, basically, and he his company is trying to shut her company out of business. Um, so that's the quirky way that they meet, and then that's they form a relationship. Me. And then you obviously have – they get together. There's something that makes them go, fall apart. They come back together. Um, but the very premise of this, the very beginning, is um, they're on a date – a double date with Ellie Kemper and Bill Hader. And they're like telling the story of how they met. And they're like, Oh, it sounds like a movie, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, fuck it. They're making fun (laughs) of it. Um, I like it. But I thought it was hilarious. Um, It was right up my alley. Yeah. This is one of those things where the, like if it's like the original scary movie, then it, yeah. But when these things get, I think a lot of it unfortunately has to do with like, like you were saying the talent in the cast or lack thereof. Because yeah. where they really fall apart is where they don't have comedic actors that can actually carry a movie at all. So everything yeah. re- starts devolving into like poop and fart jokes. Jason, I mean, there is a pretty funny, so shit, funny shit joke scene, though. Um, but Jason Munzakis is in it. Um, Ed Helms is in it. Randall Park is in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I said, uh, Jack McBrayer, Keenan Thompson, huge cast. And like I said, yeah. I think they brought in the right people to pull this off. Um, and I mean... I think there's a special type of person to play that, play these roles and like 
play awkward but know they're playing awkward and pull it off well. Like you can be awkward and not act right and it comes off as awkward, but they're doing it in the right way, which is a weird subset to be in. I mean, comedically, Paul Rudd can do no wrong in my eyes. Like whatever nah. he tries to pull off, he usually executes it. 100%. Um, I have one more thing I'll throw out there and then you guys can round out. But actually, I think last night or the night before last, uh, watched another random movie I found called American Animals. Anyone else seen that? Uh, look it up. So it came out in 2018. It's based on uh, a true story of some college kids in Lexington, Kentucky, I guess, who um, tried to steal these like old books. One of, one of the books was like a ton of paintings by this famous artist. Uh, one of the other books was like one of Darwin's original um, books that he wrote, which are worth millions of dollars. Um, so they get this scheme to go into the library subdue the librarian there, steal the books, and then take it to a dealer overseas to get paid out for this. Um, so this uh, is really shot in a really unique way. So yeah, I mean, right now it's Evan Peterson, Barry Cohen, or Keegan, every say his name, playing Warren Lipka and Spencer, I can't see his full name. But Reinhardt. then there's the real version of Warren Lipka yep. and the real version of Spencer. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a complete plot, real actors and everything in it, um, shot really well, just like any other movie. But they do cut back and forth between the actors and interviews from the real characters. Um, but it, it's done really well. You get a pretty cool insight into, like, the way things played out, the way certain characters thought it played out. Um, you get different views from the actual people uh, because they're doing real interviews with them. Um, but I thought that was... Really great. Not a not a super long movie, easy to knock out. Um, but really cool story and the way it plays out is is a lot of fun. So it says it's crime drama. Is it a, like a heist movie at all, or is it more like focused on like the fallout of them taking these books? No, yeah, it's a, it's a the fallout is part of it, and that's, that's obviously kind of saved t- towards the end. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a complete heist movie. Um, so they're in college. One of them takes a tour and like sees these books and then goes to another friend. Um, it actually is um, – it was uh, Barry Cogan going to Evan Peters' character saying, hey, I've got this idea. And then it's like them hashing out the plan, bringing in more people to to help them out with this plan, uh, fucking drawing up schematics, uh, researching, all that kind of shit. So that's a big chunk of the movie is actually them leading up to it um, and then actually executing it and then the fallout afterwards. Um, well, you know, heist movies are like my favorite. It's a good, and it's yeah, movie. it's a, it's a weird like, low key heist because it's college kids doing it. So, it's probably pretty relatable to anyone else in our group of friends trying to pull some shit off like this, and like, like what they would do. A hamster. Yeah, and what allegedly almost did it. <laughs> um, They're working with a budget that we would have, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. Like I said, it was cool cutting back in between the the real people, and they've got most of their parents in there as well. I'm um, talking in like a I think there's one college professor that's in there talking about it too. Um, but it's really interesting how it plays. I won't give any spoilers. I mean, it happened in real life. You can look it up. But um, what actually happened and how their lives played out after the fact. Yeah, I'm uh, surprised I never heard of it because I like both those actors. 
So, yeah, yep, I, I would recommend it. It looks like it's on Hulu. Uh, when did I watch it? I think I watched it on not a few things. Hulu, Tubi, AB. Oh, Prime. It was on Prime. Jesus, this movie's yeah. a slut. It's on every all over the place. But um, that was my last thing. All right, uh, last one I'll talk about. I watched the Netflix original movie directed and I believe written as well by Judd Apatow, The Bubble. Either of you guys mm. heard of this? So, yes, it's on my list. Is it? Is it worth no. it? Me and the wife were uh, thinking about checking it out actually tonight. Yeah, so I'd heard some bad things about it, but first off, the cast for me was like perfect. We have Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian himself. Uh, we have Keegan-Michael Key, who I am unapologetically a huge fan of. Karen Gillan, who of course is Nebula. David Duchovny, who's hilarious in this. Leslie Mann, because of course it's a Judd Apatow movie. Um, Fred Armisen in it as well. A couple other nice cameos, like Daisy Ridley has a cameo. John Cena has a cameo. Judd Apatow, uh, Leslie Mann's daughter as well. Yes, nice. Iris. Kate McKinnon is in it a little bit too. And then Peter Serafinowicz, who you guys have probably seen from a bunch of things, is in it. Um, the plot is uh, the movie Clift Beasts 6 is being made during the COVID-19 pandemic. And the studio absolutely has to have the film made. So they create a bubble inside a hotel in London where they have all the actors and the production crew uh, go there to quarantine and then shoot the movie. And it's basically like... a it, it would have worked as like a sequel to Tropic Thunder where it's like the meta aspect of like celebrities and actors specifically trying to make this movie with the, like, you know, where they all come, like the washed up guy, the indie director making the film. Um, Keegan-Michael Key's character is clearly making fun of Tom Cruise because he's like trying to start a cult while he's <laughs> a celebrity. Iris Apatow's character is a TikTok star who they just cast in the movie. Because I knew it would bring in like young fans. Karen Gillan's character—it's really funny. She um, <laughs> did not do Cliff Beast Five, even though she's been in the franchise, to do a movie called *Palestinia Rising*, where the Israelis and the Palestinians unite forces to fight against an alien invasion. <laughs> and she's been That's... like criticized <laughs> for how insensitive it was. But now she comes back to do Cliff Beast Six, and the rest of the cast is like, "Fuck you! You left us." Um, the, the concept is hilarious. It's not perfectly executed, but there are a lot of laughs in this thing. And I mean, like it's a Judd Apatow movie. I don't really know what people were expecting. Like it's stupid. It's funny. Um, every joke doesn't hit of course, but enough of them hit to where I would say it's pretty funny. There's also a really funny James McAvoy cameo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. There's some good cameos. John Cena character play is, uh, I guess, sm slight spoilers if you haven't seen the bubble, but he is the stunt coordinator who gets COVID, so he has to like Skype in every time they have a fight scene, and he keeps like fucking glitching over Skype, and he's getting so frustrated. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. It's pretty hilarious. Um, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I thought it was good. I literally finished it like one minute before we we got on pod. Oh wow! I watch it two or three settings. Pretty funny. The bubble. Good stuff. Good stuff. It made me want to go back and rewatch Tropic Thunder because I think Tropic Thunder is is a, a better movie than this. It's executed better. Um, but this like 
elementally I like the sort of like meta look at making films and how ridiculous the people who make them are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this, is a, this is a movie or is it a show? It's a movie, yeah. Okay. Yep. I thought it was a show for some reason. No, it's like two, almost two hours exactly, I think. So, the bubble. You have a lip So that parrot? parrot brings us to the last part of our show. Our Do you even lift bruh segment where we ask you a question that we leave you with regarding movies today. It is, what are the bros' top 100 movies? Of all time. In the uh, description for this podcast, you will find a link to a Google Sheet where we have been counting down since episode 160, I believe, all five of the bros' top 100 movies of all time. And today we will pick our lists up with Nate Thurman, who will count down his number 76 through, I believe, 73 movies of all time. Before we get to that, I'll let each of the bros uh, contribute this. Brian, how would you describe these top 100 lists? Because they are not, you know, the AFI top 100 films of all time, certainly. No, I mean, they should be, because these are real lists made by real people. Um, These movies, this is my top 100 movies, okay? I can go from, they're not artsy, none of them, guys. These are actual movies that people are going to rewatch all the time. My favorite movies. Not necessarily good movies. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, Banner's List is the most Banner thing I've ever seen in my life, too. Yeah. I don't know another way to describe it. Nate, how so. would you describe these lists? Yours, I have, will have to say, though, is probably the most eclectic one that we have. Because you have the oldest movie on any of our lists. <laughs> um, and The Great Dictator from 1940. And then you also have stuff like Twister, which is great. It's uh yeah it's all over the place I uh I uh I like to dub myself as a Renaissance man so um I forgot what I was about to say there but um all over the place except for horror um you're gonna you're gonna find a lot of stuff on my list um yeah I like to deep dive into some of the older movies so um you're you're listening to this you're gonna get a good mix maybe get some good recommendations of some older movies that you haven't seen before um. But these are unique to ourselves and um, unapologetically. We're, unapologetically, we're having to get. Oh, I feel no bad at all for having some of these fucking movies on there that have no reason to be on any top 100 movie list ever. So, well, as long as you can defend it, each bro, it, it belongs in your list. And I encourage you to do this at home. It's a great exercise going back through the meaningful moments in your life in movies that uh, just have a special place to you specifically. Give yourself time to do it though. This isn't something you can do in a weekend. It's No, it's we did hard. this over like a year, I think. Yeah. No, yeah, it takes a while. All right, Nate, we'll let you get four out of the way here on your list. You last left us with your number 77 movie of all time, and that is the 1992 Disney animated classic, Aladdin. Great hmm. conclusion. What's your number 76 favorite movie of all time? Just for reference, Banner's was V for Vendetta, and mine was Creed. All right. Um, so my number 76, I think this is the first, I don't know, let me scroll back here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, my first Marvel movie on here, making it at 76. Wow. I'm sure this is much higher than everyone else's. But um, making it in is... Avengers Age of Ultron. Gross. Nice. Ugh. Gross. Tongue. 
I hate Age of Ultron. You hate Age of Ultron? <laughs> I think it's horrible. I think he's actually choking unrelated to your pick, though. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it is still gross, though. <laughs> I, don't, I do not like that movie. I'm sorry. I don't know how you can come off of saying you don't like this movie. I think it sets up, sets up well for the next ones that come down the line. Um, I mean, you get... I don't know. To be great honest... Action. Yeah, a lot of great action. Battle Sokovia. You get, um, I think, a lot of characters in this that you haven't seen before in one film, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, obviously, we get Wanda and Pietro, which is a big deal. Yeah. You know, Wanda's impact on the MCU is massive going forward. Falcon is now uh, introduced to the Avengers in this. Yep, he's at the yep. party. Yeah, so you, you get, I mean, you get a huge... Huge cast for this. Vision. No, oh, yeah. that that was my next. Yeah, my next. Actually, my probably my biggest point. You get the origin of Vision, and you get a good development of him, which he, one of the most powerful beings in the whole universe. Um, and you you get the groundwork for him, and you get to see that develop. You get to see a lot of the other characters develop and get ready for the next two blockbuster films that are to come. So, Well, this sets up Civil War and the rift between Tony and Cap, which obviously yep. makes them vulnerable when Thanos comes. Yeah, and in and of, of itself, if for whatever reason Banner wants to puke at this coming in at 76, it it, it sets up a lot of groundwork for, for some other stuff coming up. It sets up a lot of groundwork for... It, if you want to use it as a springboard in your, uh, in your mind's eye, that's fine. But I think it does a good job of what it's intending to do, and that that is it. And I love the Hawkeye stuff. Like his little farmhouse. All that I'm stuff. not saying it doesn't have positives. I just... It's not... I just hope that all the other Avenger movies are much higher on your list if this is coming in at 77. Um, this is the worst Avengers movie that they made. I'll just let you know that not all. Well, mm, I don't know. I don't want to say anything right now. Yeah, you don't have to answer that question. Yeah, you don't have to. I'm just. No I'm hoping so. I think that. Well, I don't they care. Did not, either way. Uh, yeah, this is your fucking list. I mean, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, I I just think that they could have done a lot more with Ultron. And I think that they proved that when they had him kind of be the crux of uh what if at the end yeah um i do like james spader's incarnation of the character though i thought his voice was like perfect right yeah all right nate what's your number 75 75 and just so the people know banner's 75th was vegas vacation and mine was happy gilmore Ooh, vegas vacation very good, very good. Um, 75, and I'm interested to see, what, see where this one pops up for everyone else, too. Um, 75, coming in, I'll just say it out, out loud. Iron Man, coming in at 75. Wow, back-to-back back, back Marvels. Back-to-back right. back Marvels. Um, I mean, what, could this have been higher on my list? Maybe, just the way it shook out, 75. Um, anything in the top 100 is a great movie in my, in my eyes. Um mm-hmm. But I mean, the one that like that kicked off everything for the last how many years? 15, 16 years. Um, yeah. I mean, the 
the origin story of Iron Man in this movie, I, I think is super well done. Um, his complete and utter mind change, con- I mean, his, his complete outlook on life is completely changed, and he goes in a new direction, um, which is what you want in a superhero origin movie where he kind of finds a fork, fork in the road and he takes it. Um, <laughs> thank you for the... Nice. For the pity laugh. <laughs> That's a good um, one. But I'm, I'm sure this is kind of what they were intended as, as well, to use another word I just used, but a, a springboard for everything else and the foundation for a lot of this stuff to come. Um, and just, just visually and really everything in it. I can't, can't say it. Started it, it all. I know. I mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, I don't need to say it. much more than, than what I've already said. Yeah. When you think of the making of this movie, the fact that it spawned the MCU is like, kind of insane you have yeah. robert denny jr who was deemed untouchable by hollywood and probably too much like tony stark in real life you have the director of swingers coming in to make the movie and essentially like let's just call it who he in the comics iron man was a b-list character like he wasn't the x-men he wasn't spider-man mm-hmm. he wasn't even the fantastic four really for marvel and they literally had to i think I, it was probably for their in their best interest, even though they didn't realize it at the time, that they pretty much had only this movie. And if this didn't work, there was no Marvel Studios. So they didn't have to worry about setting up sequels or building the cinematic universe. Because if this movie didn't succeed, none of that shit was going to matter anyway. And I yeah. think that's why it worked. And they they, they, just, they basically rebranded him, and now he's the, he's the centerpiece for everything that came afterwards. Banner, yeah. what's up? Yeah, I mean, they basically uh, took a diet Batman and created and pulled off the biggest cinematic feat that has ever happened. Yeah. yeah. And even horns is a good point. You got the director of the swingers here coming in and outside of Iron Man by itself, just because of the success of this movie and who was doing the movie and where this sent those people on a on a crash course through through the universe, now Favreau is just fucking synonymous with sci-fi, Star Wars, Marvel, all that kind of shit. He's he's, he's the become, man. He's become the fucking man and the genius yeah. behind so many of the huge successes that have come out of Star Wars and the Marvel universe now. Um, and so th- this was kind of where it all started, the genesis. Could have. Yeah. As I go through my list, I'm like, oh, this is where it shook out. Maybe a little higher, but I'm sticking with 75 for now. Love it. All right, well, what is your number 74 movie? And for perspective, Banner's was Hook, and mine was The Social Network. Ooh. God, I love I love hearing all the other bros. Bros <laughs> ones, too, and seeing where they're lined up with everyone. Um, another one. You look at it, and you're like, this is where it ended up. Great movie. Um this is one of the ones that a ton of our jokes or quotes that we say on almost a daily basis come from. And this is the 2009 classic, the hangover. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure this will be higher on some other, some other lists. Has anyone had that one yet? Let me check. I don't think so. I think this is the first one. Yeah. You are the first one to have it. Interesting. Now I always kind of give credit to, I would say old school kicking off like, that generation of comedies um this was this was a little bit yeah a little bit into that um but 
when it came out, I feel like it it transcended comedies for some reason. Um, Todd Phillips had already done stuff by that time. Um, but Road trip, old school. Yeah. He, he had come out with some, some classics already. Um, but this with the, with the dynamic of people that they put together for this cast with Galifianakis and uh, Bradley Cooper and Ed Helms, um, they just play off each other so well. And maybe it's because we can relate to having a night like they've had before, not to maybe that extreme, but just kind of piecing it together ne- the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like a, a mystery whodunit. Um if anything else, it's set really in a comedy was. scene. Um, so it's like it, it, it's like a hidden mystery within a within a fucking badass comedy. Um, but every, everything in this is fantastic. Like I said, it's one of those ones like going back to Wedding Crashers and old school that um, maybe has built up half of our brain as far as what we say um, if we if we work the off of quotes. Forty five percent minimum. Forty five percent minimum. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it, it came out at just that right time in the aughts where we were around our twenties, early twenties. Um, so we were right in the wheelhouse for this. So it came out for the perfect time for us. I mean, we were the target demo. Yeah. For 100%. Um, yeah. so that's another thing with these lists. It's, it depends on when that movie came out and when it impacted us. And this was one of those ones that was very shaping of our of our early 20s our college years um just by when it came out i mean how often after this do we make every time we would like toast we would do the wolf pack quote oh yeah you yeah. still do it and even if it's not about masturbating i might say thanks obama or, or thanks thanks bin laden yeah <laughs> it's a satchel that that may be one of the first com- comedies that came out where they made a 9/11 joke or almost Osama bin Laden joke. Maybe that's why it stuck with me so much because I was la- falling out of my seat laughing. <laughs> a big jacking off joke and a 9/11 joke, edgy, and wow. they pulled it the off. The Venn diagram of those intersecting. <laughs> it, well, the Hangover's got to be the only one in the middle, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's masturbating it. and Osama bin Laden. Yeah. All right, last one tonight. Your number seventy-three movie, Nate, and Banners is the New Mutants, and mine is Edge of Tomorrow. Hold on, no, I thought I had a burp. Nope. Okay, um, we're gonna get we're going back old school now. What is this number seventy? What is it? Seventy-three. Seventy-three. Going back old school. Going to a. Uh, a classic that I think everyone should see with Cary Grant and Audrey, Audrey Hepburn um, called Charade or Charade, depending on how you w- want to pronounce it. Mm. Um, this has been coined as <laughs> the best Hitch- Hitchcock film that Hitchcock didn't direct. Um, it was directed by Stanley Donan, but um, this is another classic who's who and who's done it kind of mystery um audrey hepburn plays a character whose husband dies um after his death she finds out that she really doesn't know a ton about him he kind of has a life shrouded in secrecy and then three or walter four Matthau ma- in it by the way walter too. Matthau, grumpy old i'm man. gonna fuck with this movie for sure no Dennis kidding yeah yeah, Walter Matthau plays a small part in it as well. Um, 
so I watched it the first time couple three or so years ago. I've seen it several times since. Um, just because, like, I mean, you get back and you watch these actors act, and I used to not be able to get past like, oh, the old, old movies, the old scenes, the old film, and all that stuff. But it, when you get down to it, I mean, if you can appreciate the acting and, and the story and the plot and everything, this is this stands up with, with any of the other ones. Um, but getting back to the plot, um, some men come after Audrey, Audrey Hepburn's character because apparently there's a fortune that they think she has. Um, you don't really know who's who or what their motives are this whole time. Even Cary Grant, who uh, befriends her and is trying to help her out. Um, then throughout the movie, there's points where you think he may not be trying to help her out. But um, I'll leave a little mystery to the end to see yeah, what happens do. there. But it has a little bit of everything. Um it's funny. I was watching the trailer earlier today, just to <laughs> freshen up on it a little bit. But it's they do. It's an equal part. They put it in like this blender: suspense, romance, and comedy. And I think it does a great job of that. Um, and the the comedy that's thrown into these is 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 pretty good. Um, yeah. It, okay. It, it like it for, mixes for us in and still get the joke sixty years later. Is yeah. Tip of the cap. You had me at. The best Hitchcock film Hitchcock never directed. Yeah, that so, line right there intrigues me so much. Yeah, if uh, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of other ones in which this is kind of written and plays out the same way, like Rear Window or um, uh, God, I'm uh, Psycho. No, there's another one Burns. I'm thinking of. That I can't remember. It has it has Cary Grant in it as well. I'm I'm blanking on it, um, but it has that same feel. Has the same whodunit aspect, um, but yeah, this is this is one of my one of my top older films that that I've seen. It's uh, it holds up, holds up for sure. I'm game. You know, I love a good whodunit. Yeah, I'm into that. Ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that good? Jesus Christ! Not as good as ninety five. It's hard to do. That is true. That is true. I'm a big big Cary Grant fan. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty awesome. Nice. There it is. Good work today, guys. And anytime shit. Nate includes one of the classics, just legitimizes these lists. It's funny that you have uh, number 73 charade and Banner has New Mutants. <laughs> so I still can't believe it, it was that high. It just kept climbing. I liked the it a lot. I liked it those, a lot too. Those two movies have never been said in the same breath before ever. Until Only now. on the Bro Force Squad podcast. And with that, we will let the people go for episode 183. Closing thoughts, words of wisdom, banner, what have you. Just pull over, pull over for emergency vehicles, guys. Um, it's just embarrassing when you don't. And don't be that asshole that just rides the ambulance's ass. Like, oh, you did pull over, and then you're passing everybody else. That's just a you dick move, man. Don't use the ambulance as a lead blocker. That's just not cool. Yeah. Unless, nope. like, your significant other is in the ambulance, then, like, it's still kind of a dick move, but I get it. I mean, yeah, if you're going to the same place as the ambulance, I guess that makes sense. It's a little different. Nate, how about you? Um, just a quick reminder, everyone get their fruits and veggies in. Um, get a nice serving of each each day. I don't always do it. I'm a culprit as well. Um, 
I'll just go in there and have a handful of Cheez-Its because they're fucking delicious. But, you know, grab that <laughs> apple, have some strawberries in the fridge, um, take a take a bite out of a raw sweet potato. I don't know. Just get your fruits and veggies in. Am I remembering guy. the uh, the V8? Is the can of that say that it's your full daily serving of? That sounds right. Yeah. I think now that I'm older, I would really like V8. I but you don't like Bloody Marys. Vodka. I know. Right, I hate Bloody Marys. <laughs> I don't. Th- I still don't think you'll like V8. <laughs> kind of want to try they, it again. They do. They do have like fruit, like tropical ones now. So. Are those yeah, just like pretty good. 48 grams of sugar, though? I mean, probably. As I mean, that's the thing with with fruits. That's the that's the trouble you get into. Like they're high in sugar, they're natural sugar, but still sugar. Mm. I know oh, that's the things things we got to start thinking about. God damn it, we're old as fuck, man. It sucks. <laughs> I will say before we let the people go, just make smart decisions when you get your hair cut. Again, the decisions you make in that barber's chair aren't permanent. But they're going to last you about a month, and it's really not the time to try something new. When you were 12, that's the time to try something new. If you're an adult now, we're playing for keeps. It's fucking big leagues, okay? Don't dye your hair blue. Never knew who you were going to meet in that next week. Exactly. That's when your childhood idol is going to show up, and you're going to have fucking pink hair. You don't want to be fucking weird when you meet them. I mean, you're going to be weird anyway. You don't want your hair to look weird, you know? Banner, yeah, you look maybe like you do. Uh, I don't know. With your ski cap on, Banner, you look like Marv from Home Alone. I love it. Thank you. That's what I was going for. That's a good reminder. I have a haircut appointment tomorrow, so thank you. Were you gonna forget? <laughs> I was gonna go. I was gonna go orange streaks down my hair. Well, now hold up. That might work. Okay. Wouldn't so, be white, mad about it. White and orange, or maybe like. Maybe go a little different and go like a Rufio hairstyle. Ooh, I like the white and orange though because it reminds me of like the creamsicles. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you don't want to go Rufio because that's just too much work and too much product to keep that that straight up. I'd have to grow my hair out a little bit to get that, but yeah. I'll play it safe tomorrow though. Don't worry, guys. All right. I mean, if you want to take a bit of an uppercut swing. <laughs> We'll see. All right, for the American hero, Nate Thurman, the mad scientist, Brian Banner. I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts. If you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words and check out everything we post and our updated top 100 movies of all time list on our website, Bro4squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you at the barbershop. Have you ever seen the guy point to the poster and be like, I want that one? Seen them? You mean, am I them? I've, I've yes. done I've done once recently, which I actually got it. I, I got a girl I go to regularly now, and uh, she cuts it how I like it. But I finally just showed her a picture from like a year or so ago when someone cut it the way I liked it. Oh, nice. That was it. So I'm like, hey, cut my hair like this, like it used to look. It's good to get a consistent 